Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states? Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers pod with me, Chris Ryan and Raheem Palmer. What's up, Raheem? What's up? I'm just laughing at all this Kyrie Irving stuff. I mean, I just like as somebody who loves chaos, he's become one of my favorite players in the NBA just because so, you, he wakes up every day and chooses violence. <laughs> he really does. He is like the Cersei Lannister of, of the NBA. Um, so we recording this on Friday as we were about to record. Uh, news broke from the usual sources, Shams, Woj, that Kyrie Irving had requested a trade. He wants to be traded prior to the February 9th deadline. He will not be re-signing with the Brooklyn Nets uh, in the offseason. He's going to be a free agent in the offseason. Um, apparently, according to Shams, Brooklyn offered Kyrie a contract, uh, but it came with some stipulations. A lot of the, the guaranteed money was tied up in stipulations. If you know anything about Kyrie Irving, mm. you can imagine what those stipulations might be. Uh, I don't know specifically what's in what was in the Nets offer or if that was the nature of the offer. But I will say this, Raheem. You know that the NBA season is getting real when you are like, something like this happens to a rival team and you're like, good. Yeah. Good. I, Su- I mean- suffer more, Brooklyn. <laughs> You know, it was like Brooklyn is one of those teams where you're almost afraid of them just because Terrified. I mean, we, we we saw that game last week where the Nets shot like 65 percent and they didn't have KD. So, yeah. I mean, if you could eliminate Kyrie from the equation, 
and, and just have, you know, KD and a bunch of role guys and then, you know, our beloved Benjamin Simmons. I mean, that's just one less contender that you got to deal with. So I was really happy to see that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this really puts Brooklyn in the tailspin. They back into the tailspin they were in at the beginning of the season. Um, as you noted, Kyrie had kind of like righted the ship and and like had played consistently and kept the team somewhat afloat. And Katie's absence, they like, haven't been playing great, but they haven't been playing awful. It was, you know, it's like one of those teams where it's just like, man, when they get Katie back, if they're healthy and if they figure a couple of things out, they're going to be really dangerous in the playoffs. And honestly, wouldn't put it past Kevin Durant to take them to a NBA Finals. Like, I mean, I know Boston's the big dogs right now, but. Then this this whole Kyrie thing pops up again, and then he immediately starts as I think believe you put shit posting on his IG again. So it's like this dude knows how to talk his way out of a situation for sure. Oh yeah, I mean without a doubt. I mean anytime you post in Jordan Peterson, Jason Whitlock, John Stockton, um, yeah, um, the night before you're scheduled to make a, a trade request. I mean, it says it all. And then, you know, he had to post today to my peers, just be yourself and grow. Keep people around you who celebrate you unconditionally and appreciates <laughs> all the hard work that you put in. Dissing yourself from folks who manipulate hate and hurt. I mean, he's basically like an Instagram thought at this point, <laughs> like posting really about ridiculous. a relationship. <laughs> I feel like there's actually now, like because of the way he played this season, and he's obviously an all-star starter. We're going to get into conversation about the all-star uh, snub of James Harden, the Boston Sports Mafia stuff that Daryl was talking about in relation to Joel Embiid. And then we're going to talk a little bit about trade deadline and some of these Matisse Thibel rumors. But just to put a bow on the Kyrie stuff, I actually think, given the way he has played, there is a market for him. You know what I mean? Like, I, First of all, obviously this is going to send all the antennas up in in for the Lakers, right? Like... The Lakers have been playing better. You know, I, there is this Russell Westbrook. There is this with picks. Like, the Russ-KD reunion would just be more than I could possibly handle as a, as a human being. But I also think, like, there's a trade there for Dallas if they want. You know what I mean? I don't know whether or not uh, how Dallas views his behavior, but Dallas could certainly use a number one a option next to Luca to reduce the usage rate and take some of the load off of Luca. It obviously doesn't help them defensively, but there's, there's teams who could use Kyrie Irving, right? I, I mean, Luca and Kyrie is basically, I mean, it's pretty much another LeBron and Kyrie. Um, just because, yeah. I mean, both LeBron and Luca, they play that heliocentric style of play. And now you have a second playmaker. And then Kyrie, the beauty of his game is he doesn't need the ball in his hand. He can play off ball. So, I mean, that's something. I mean, I actually saw, you know, the Mavericks are expected to pursue um, a trade for Kyrie. I mean, they have some guys. I mean, obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith Finney is on a big contract. I mean, and you, you attach a couple pieces. And I think, you know, that's something maybe the Nets are interested if in. You, if you could do Finney Smith, Dwight Powell, and Reggie Bullock for Kyrie Irving, I don't know what the Nets are looking for. Like, if they're like, we need to get some draft capital, we need to do whatever. But you could do Finney Smith, Reggie Bullock, and D Dwight Powell for Kyrie. And I honestly think that helps the Nets a lot. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, Th yeah. That gives them another interior defensive presence. That gives them shooting. That gives them defensive steal on the perimeter. All these things that they're going to want in the playoffs. And if Kevin Durant isn't completely crestfallen by the dissolving of the situation, and now he's like, great, so I joined a super team with James Harden and Kyrie Irving, and now I'm playing with Ben Simmons. Like, if he can get over that and just be like, I like Jacques Vaughn, I like Brooklyn, we're going to make this work, uh, then that's a pretty decent, like, return for Kyrie, who's going to walk in the summer. 
Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, and that's much better than anything the Lakers can offer. I mean, we all know the Lakers are going to be involved in this somehow. But I think at this point, um, you know, Kyrie may want to go to the, the Lakers, but I don't expect the, the Nets to consult with him on any trade. I mean, they're, they're probably just trying to wash their hands of this situation if they they don't plan to keep him. So it'll be interesting the question to see is, what happens. Yeah, it's whether or not the buyer's market out there for Kyrie Irving is going to now say, like, well, like his value is essentially nothing because he's going to leave in six months. So Kyrie is going to have to orchestrate a trade if this is actually going to go through to the place where he is planning on resigning. Cause otherwise that team is like, we're not doing three guys. For, we're not Dallas. Isn't going to send Bullock, Finney Smith and Dwight Powell out for a, a four month rental of Kyrie Irving. Yeah. That's not happening. <laughs> um, when stuff like this happens, obviously I get like PTSD remembering all the various like wars we've been through as Sixers fans, like mm-hmm. the Jimmy Butler era, era and all the trades and all the, the Colangelo of everything. And, you know, it's it's interesting to see other franchises in turmoil, whereas the Sixers, aside from the blip of Harden's Christmas Day Houston rumor, which he shot down to his credit, I guess. I mean, or at least it was like, why are you asking me about that? And the Sixers have really been had, had like a pretty smooth season, all in all. The, the maybe the beginning of the season wasn't that great with Embiid kind of playing himself into shape. But isn't it weird to be on the other side of this and be like, is this what it feels like to just have a franchise ticking along? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest drama that we had this season was Embiid saying that he thinks that some of the Sixers fans want him traded. Um, but I mean, I think that was just. Joel being Troel um Embiid um yeah, so I don't he was think just I tweeting mean, tweeting through it in yeah, real life yeah <laughs> I think yeah it was just him being emotional Pisces <laughs> but <laughs> I mean we really haven't had anything and I mean it seems like Harden has just been a model citizen um you know he shot down those rumors on Christmas Day right away so um it's it's fun to laugh at this I mean like I feel like every Every other franchise, like even even the Bucks, I've I've heard rumors about Giannis being unhappy for a while. So um, yeah, this is the Are those NBA. rumors tend to come from Bill. <laughs> I think that Bill has a way of always annoying this rumor about the Celtics' chief rival. That things actually, you know what well. though? I mean, I actually told Bill that. Yeah. Yeah, like I um that was a, that was um my guy Matt Moore from Action Network. He was the one who like kind of told me about that first. So um, is the is the Giannis stuff just related to like his his fears that like the the ownership group won't spend when necessary and go into like the luxury tax and stuff? I think he was just beefing with Bud at the time. Um, oh. I, th- I think it was him and Bud. Um, I think there was a huge blow up after that Lakers game, and then I think you know the Middleton injury. I mean. That I mean, that put a damper on things. I mean, obviously, when you don't have a second star, you're, you're, you're tired, of, tired of playing without him. So I think there was some frustration around that. I got you. Well, in any case, the Sixers, there's nothing to see here. It's just everything is ticking along. We haven't, we didn't really pot about Jokic, did we? No, I mean, we didn't. Um, I mean, that was a hell of a game last week. Um, Joel Embiid did everything that he needed to do um, and to, to prove that he's one of the top tier superstars in this league. Um, this, yeah, we didn't did pod exactly what we week. wanted, man. We were we were talking about maybe doing an emergency pod. I was like, I'm going to tape the game. I have to go out during the day and then come back. And then like, I was like, oh my god, like the 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 48 hours in Philly between the Sixers Nuggets game and then the the NFC Championship is pretty pretty important. But um, obviously, it was a statement game. Obviously, it was. You know, even to like, if you listen to Billy's, just like, look, man, I think head to head matters. Like, I think that if you can go out and and bust somebody up one on one, not one on one, but if you can take them on and do that to them, that that's an important marker in who you are. And I think Joel, who has found himself kind of like 
on the outside looking in of the top five players, and if you look at a lot of lists, including ours, inclu- you know, including a lot of the other rankings, and even the MVP conversation, it's like, oh yeah, and then Embiid. Like after we after we mention Giannis and Jokic and Luca and Steph and KD and 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 everything is like, oh, and then it, oh, I guess also Embiid, and then Embiid just kind of comes through and like crushes the buildings, you know? Yeah, I'm. You know, for a guy, like, and I said this the other day, but it's like, Embiid leads the league in scoring, 33.5 points per game. He leads the league in 40-point games. And he put a 47-18 on a reigning two-time MVP, and he's not even going to be second team all, he's not even going to be first team all NBA. And he's not even an all-star starter. So it's just like, I know that he's feeling overlooked. Um, And it has to be frustrating, just because it's just, I mean, He's probably been one of the best Sixers I've seen in my lifetime. I love Allen Iverson, but the Allen Iverson top three, top yeah. three. It's Barkley. It's well in my lifetime. Like I remember Irving a little bit, but it's in my lifetime. It's been mostly Barkley, Iverson, and Joel. I like see the thing is I didn't even I don't even remember the Barkley era. Yeah, I was born in '86, and by the time I started watching basketball, like and I'm like a serious fan. I remember like the Dana Barrows era. <laughs> yeah Hershey so Hawkins Johnny Dawkins era yeah so it's just like you know my second year watching basketball like my first year watching basketball it's Barkley with the Suns yeah well I mean here's the thing I would say is that this time of year mm-hmm. is always pretty funny to me because if you look around at all the podcasts and and rightly so because it's it's like interesting to talk about and it does very well as far as like when you look at pod numbers like mm-hmm. it's all transactional about the trade deadline or it's about all-star game selections. And it's not really what we're watching on a night-to-night basis. And if you just do that, if you just stick to, to basketball, yeah, this has been a really successful first half of the season for the Sixers. It was a huge win on Saturday. They inevitably have a trap game loss to the Magic. I believe that was on Monday. But I will point out that many of the Sixers, I think the entire team was at the NFC Championship game, and given what happened to Philly, you'd have to tell me the day that night. I would imagine they went out and had a beverage. Yeah, I mean more than beverages. I mean they were. At, <laughs> I mean they were at Nodo. They were at you know Broad. They were on Broad Street. I mean it just was a a, a celebration. I mean I think you know obviously we had a couple 49ers fans on the team and James Harden and George Niang. Um, Niang is actually a personal friend of Brock Purdy, but I yeah, mean, that I, was pretty funny. He was just like, "I'm a big Brock guy, but I'm, I I don't want to get murdered, so I went <laughs> for the Eagles." Yeah, but I mean, they all went out and, and had a good time. I mean, it, it's a long season, I, but I think you know when you look at games like that, or the fact that you know the, the Sixers had a home home against the Magic, it it lends credence to the point that you know maybe the NBA season was too long. Um, yeah, do we do yeah. we really need a home home against the Orlando Magic? <laughs> Probably not. I think that the 72 game season is is the advertisement for that is right there. But they got their revenge later in the week. And I just wanted to point out that the as f- for as much as I loved Embiid going off against Jokic and mm-hmm. essentially throwing the team on his back and winning that Denver game, the thing I loved even more was watching Harden jump on his back at yeah. the end of the game. Because I would not call this the most demonstrative team I've ever seen when it comes to like mm-hmm. bench celebrations. You know, like Joel's always going to do his wrestling celebrations and like, you know, cup his hand to his ears to the crowd and pump, pump them up and stuff like that. And I think that Harden's had some cool moments where he's gotten the crowd really into it by like knocking down a couple threes or throwing like an incredible pass. But that was like a really cool moment of like, 
did they become like a real team here? You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Harden jumping on his back is not something I had seen before personally. Yeah, I, and that's not something you would expect from Harden's personality type. I'm mean, from no. how he's we've known much him. more business oriented. Yeah, he's like he's just super duper reserved. He's not really a, a guy with a high motor. So to see him, and then also, I mean, he's been the guy for much of his career. Um, so to see him you know, being that fan mode or being in that, that place of being happy for a teammate and, and just kind of showing the hierarchy that he's willing to play the number two role. Um, I loved it. It was, it was perfect. Yeah. But for him, it's like when you think back over the course of his career, since he left the thunder, mm-hmm. he was essentially a one man show in Houston mm-hmm. and all the dudes around him for the most part were there to facilitate his offensive game. And then they realize they think they need another star. So they bring in first, they bring in CP three, Mm-hmm. And that falls apart, even though they were obviously like an incredible team for as much as I hated watching them. Like they were an awesome, awesome team. And Chris Paul and James Harden's relationship kind of cracks and Chris Paul gets traded to the Thunder in return for Westbrook. And Westbrook comes in and like he and James obviously have like a long history, but they weren't able to make it work. James has never really played with a star where I feel like he's been a fan, too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's obviously, like, a huge... He just watched Joel Embiid take out Jokic, the back-to-back MVP. And it was kind of amazing to watch him just be, like, freak out and be like, this is my dude right here. Yeah, I, I, it was absolutely incredible. Um, And then, obviously, you know, it's just like... like I, I can't be more thrilled by how James Harden has played this year. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk about him being done last year. And, you know, it, it just feels like in every big moment... He's he's hitting a step back three, or he's making the clutch pass. So, um, and then you know you've he's had games to where he's made clutch defensive stops. So he's just done everything that he could possibly do, um, for the Sixers team. And I think that's why it's so disappointing that he didn't make the All Star team this year. Yeah, let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. I personally just don't care about All Star. I think actually it's just like because of what the actual game is, which is like. Mm-hmm. Eight, you know, it's three quarters of kind of like throwing full court alley oops, which I, I I love as much as the next person. But when it's just relentless, and then you get like legitimately cool fourth quarters with the Elam ending, and it's mm-hmm. it's fun to watch. Uh, I think they've done a good job with like mixing it up by making it basically like playground team captains picking out their guys. the The selection process is pretty opaque and weird because it's like. What, what what's the actual like breakdown of how they're picked? Let me just call this up really quick. So mm-hmm. basically, the ten starters. This is from you know the NBA's mm-hmm. rules. It's ten starters, two guards, and three front court players per conference are chosen by a combination of the fans, fifty percent of the vote, current players, twenty five percent of the vote, and the media, twenty five percent of the vote. And then when it comes to the reserves, the thirty coaches select the fourteen reserves, voting for two guards, three front court players, and two players at any position in their respective conferences, and then. Uh, Adam Silver gets to pick replacement players. So that's a long way of saying Joel Embiid was not voted in as a starter. And then James Harden was entirely snubbed from the Eastern Conference All-Stars. What was your reaction to that? This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Here's here was my reaction. You know, it just feels like, and I've been a Harden fan for for quite some time. It feels like there's an inherent bias against Bart Harden at times. Like, it almost just feels like the, the goalposts are being moved. I thought winning had a lot to do with people's selection process when it comes to awards, whether it's you know MVP, whether it's Sixth Man of the Year, whether it's um, All Star, and somehow this time winning doesn't matter. Um, I love DeMar DeRozan, but that Bulls team is a train wreck. To me, you can't tell me what DeMar DeRozan has done on the 10th-seeded Bulls team is more significant than what the, the Harden has done. And I know Harden's only played 34 games, so it appears— I don't want to hear that. Z- Zion's starting. Like, or, I mean, Zion, yeah. or Zion made starters. So, like, it's just like with, when we get into, like, how many games did you play, it's like we could nitpick that all day. Yeah, I, I just— I just and then to me it's like I mean you have guys in there who like Paul George before last night he played 37 games so you're telling me that you know DeRozan who's having a good year his impact on that 10th seeded Bulls team is 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 greater than what the is Harden doing it's very disappointing and I love Drew Holiday I mean I think Drew Holiday has you know he's had some clutch games without Giannis out there I mean Giannis was a little banged up so I'm not really mad at that one I think I'm more mad at, at the DeRozan thing because I thought winning mattered. I think, I mean, there's, I don't know whether or not Harden's contract has incentives for All-Star. I'm sure it does, like most people do. But, like, I would imagine at this point in his career, after being on so many All-Star teams, maybe he's a little bit more, like, easygoing about it. Joel Embiid was just, like, the NBA has him explaining to do when it comes to, like, you know, Harden's snub. Basically, the the context for all of this is that First, Embiid didn't make the starting five. Uh, the starting five for the Eastern Conference, just for clarity's sake, is uh, G- Giannis, KD, Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving. Uh, obviously, there's like this the pick'em stuff that's going to happen before the game to determine the action actual teams, and then um, the reserves for the Eastern Conference is Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Demar Derozan, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, and Julius Randle. The Randle thing is like, yeah. okay, whatever, <laughs> but. Uh, the context is around this is basically Daryl Morey went on the Anthony Gargano show, uh, Philadelphia Sports Talk radio show, and was just like, there's like a Boston sports media mafia that is suppressing the vote for, <laughs> for, for the Sixers players and all that. But here's why I think this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. The Sixers need a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. The Sixers need to be nobody likes us, nobody believes in us. We're Philly. We do what we want. Like, this is good for us. I can see that. I mean, I'm pretty sure. First things first, I'm pretty sure Harton is like really happy that he doesn't have to go to Utah. <laughs> yeah, that dude's gonna be in Barbados. Like he doesn't give. He's yeah. glad he's not insulting. I, I do think we need a chip on our shoulder. I, I think you know, like the one thing I will say is like I always compare and and I hate to to be this way, but sometimes I looked at MB almost like Mike Tyson, and that he's a bully when he's going up against inferior competition. Um. And I want to see that same energy against the top guys. And he showed it last week with Jokic. And I think, you know, not being selected as an all-star starter, James Harden not being selected to go to the all-star 
game that adds that chip on the sh- on the shoulder and make like like you said and i just think that's something that this team needs because yeah. you know we have we have times to where we're lack of, lack of days ago like i mean when you look at look at those those games against orlando they had 19 turnovers in both games right like and i yeah. I, I think you you can't you can't do that if you want to win in, in in the nba so i just i, I want to see this team angry and and wanting it and i, I think that's like I, like you said it's a good thing you know, so this kind of leads well into the trade talk conversation because mm-hmm. obviously Matisse Thibel's name has been tossed out pretty uh, publicly in trade rumors. He's commented on that himself by being like, you know, this has happened to me a couple of times and at this point it is what it is. Uh, he talked about how like Tobias Harris has helped him kind of work through that as Toby has been traded a few times in his career. Thibel continues to be a 7 to 12 minute guy who gets a little bit yo-yoed by Doc's rotation but I would point out that over this like 10 and 1 run that the Sixers are on with just this loss to the to the Magic as a blemish it's been pretty cool to watch this team coalesce and everybody kind of know their role yeah we can speculate all day as to whether or not the Sixers at full strength with Doc as the coach this roster can beat the Celtics or beat a full power Nets or whatever. Like we we we're, we're gonna have plenty of time to worry about that. But this is the best version of this team. And what my question to you is is, do you mess with it? Like, there's obvious need. Like, mm. there's a backup five need going into the playoffs with Montrezl Harrell as the backup five is terrifying, mm-hmm. just because of history with Doc and Trez and all that. But do you mess with the chemistry with the 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 way that this team is coalesced to see if you can get Rashawn Holmes from the Kings for Thibault or something like that. Here's my thing. I think you kind of have to trade Thibault if you're going to keep Glenn. Um, and the big reason for that is that Glenn's not playing. He's not playing Thibault. Um, right. And it's it's frustrating for me because I think I just don't think that he doesn't trust the young guys. I mean, like you look at a guy like Isaiah Joe, who's like he's doing great things in Oklahoma City right now. Um, you look at Paul Rees. If he's not going to play these guys, then we kind of have to make some upgrades and changes to this roster. And it, it's frustrating for me because you look at like my guy on Twitter said this. Um, I'm going to make sure I, you know, I quote him um, directly. But um What's his name? Um, ben Dietrich um, covers the mm-hmm. Sixers. So, I mean, over the last... Ben Dietrich, who wrote the Brian Colangelo piece for, for the ringer, yeah. Yeah. Over the last 30 oh, games, yeah. Thibel was hitting 40% from three and has a 70% true shooting percentage. Um, and I know he's a limited offensive player, but when you got like guys like Hart and, and, and Maxine and Tobias around him, and you got like Hart as a playmaker... You got to give him those opportunities to be able to just p- play through his mistakes. And, and Doc doesn't do that. Um, and, you know, one of the other things that he he pointed out is that, you know, the lineups with the Sixers' four best defenders, Joe, Thibel, Melton, Harris, they've only played 62 possessions to get together. And they have a plus 42 net rating. So if you're not going to, you know, play Thibel, then to me, I think you need to get somebody in there who is actually going to be able to play. Because we all know in the playoffs – Things are about matchups. Sometimes you you got to you got to be able to go to the tenth guy on the bench at at times. You know, like yeah. And I think that's the thing that made the Warriors successful was that you know they had the bench mob. Or even if you look at the year that the Raptors won the championship, they had to go to some different pieces. Um, so it's just like if you if, if Doc's not going to trust this guy, then you, I think you got to make a move. It's interesting because it and this this is I guess why you 
go for a guy like Doc Rivers as your coach in the first place is that he is basically settled on his playoff rotation at midseason. Yeah. Ferk's not playing that much. You know what I mean? Like Jaden Springer's not getting any looks. Paul Reed's not getting any looks. He has his eight-man rotation, and Thibault is on the way outside of that. Daniel House is out, out of it pretty much, right? Like Daniel House doesn't really play that much anymore. Yeah. I haven't I haven't heard his name in, I feel like I haven't heard his name in months. Um Um so you've got this situation where Doc is now settled on his like eight guys in January, February, which in one hand is good because we're gonna know like the team we have and the what what how they want to play and these guys are gonna get used to each other. I get it. But to me, Dybul is somebody who I don't think we've ever really fully taken advantage of. I did Bill's pod yesterday. We were doing like this this trade draft uh that, that Bill Bill put together it was really fun but Bill was talking about how he feels like Dybul had like Dybul is one of those guys who's going to go to another team and some and everybody's going to be like how the hell did he not have this in his game in Philly yeah and if he goes and plays on a Denver or uh, a Golden State or a Sacramento where there's a lot of off-ball movement and he can take advantage of his cuts and his athleticism because I think that dude is like really deadly when he's running along the baseline but we don't have like a quick pass offense. We're not like roll, the ball is not flying around the court on, on the on Philly. If he plays with Jokic or if he plays with Sabonis and they're like lasering passes in from the foul line as like everybody keys on them and Thibault's cutting to the basket, I think he's going to be a much more productive offensive player. I, I totally agree with that. And I, also, I think if he's if he's playing more, I mean, he's going to become a more consistent shooter. Um. And I think that's the thing that's holding him. That's the only thing that's held him back, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's a, a perimeter defender in a league where you need perimeter defenders and you need guys who can hit the three. Um, and the only thing holding him back is his jump shooting. And you look at the Sixers team, I almost feel like we're going to trade him and then, you know, come free agency, come, you know, the playoffs, we're going to be wondering who's our perimeter defender. You right. know, this is a team. Well, I mean, who, right now he's not. It's seven minutes a game. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, to me, it's just like there should probably be, we should probably have PJ or Thibel on the floor for every minute of a playoff game. Yeah. Guarding the opposing team's best player. Yeah. That should just be their assignment. But he, like you said, if Doc's going to, if this is who Doc thinks he is, which is a seven minute spot guy, we should see if we can get anything for him. Yeah, I, I I mean it's it's at the end of the day it's just like this heart and and MB core is not it's not something I expect to see five years from now. So I think you right. you need to maximize that. Um, right. Th- like this is this is our window right now. So I think Maury kind of has to do everything he can, you know, to maximize this core. Um, and unfortunately, that might mean parting with Thibel. So what do you want from him? Um, Josh Hart. I, love I, it. I think that's realistic. I think Josh Hart is a free agent th- this summer. I think, you know, the Blazers, I mean, it's unclear what their goals are now. I think, you know, part of them, they, they want to make a push. But, I mean, yeah, Josh Hart. They're stuck in the Western Conference limbo of we're 13th and we're 7th, depending on what day it is. Yeah, but I just it just feels like Hart is, he's he's a piece that I could see going. Um, and I think that's realistic for us. Um, of course, we did lose some of our second round picks due to the tampering thing. Um, another guy that I think of is, you know, you can never have enough shooting in today's NBA. Um, Terrence Ross. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to provide much defensively, but I mean, you put him next to, you know, Hart and you, you, you got a, 
a little bit more fl- floor spacing, a little bit more shooting, some athleticism. I mean, he is, you know, getting older now, but I could see him, you know, making a difference on this team. But for me, it's just like, I mean, Hart's my, my favorite guy out there. Um, and then obviously there's Drummond if you're looking for a, a backup big. But it's just, I, to me, if I, if I want somebody, I want, I'm, I'm looking for like a wing or something like that. Okay, so I'm going to go through these guys. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, as far as Terrence Ross goes, mm-hmm. are we sure Terrence Ross actually plays in the NBA and is not just a trade rumor? Like, I, I, have, to, I have to admit, I've watched like a little bit of Orlando this year, like not a ton. I watch these games, obviously. But I, I feel like I'm never in the room when Terrence Ross is playing. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I haven't seen them. Like, it, it doesn't feel like he's getting a ton of minutes this year. Um, he's like a ghostly presence. Like they're like, you go straight for Terrence Ross. You can space the floor. I'm like, are we sure? Like, is Terrence Ross forty? I don't even. I don't even. I haven't seen Terrence he's only, Ross. In a it's while. so crazy, but he's only thirty one years old. No, I'm sure. Like, it's just one of those guys. Like, it's like him, Eric Gordon, obviously John Collins. But there are dudes who have been in trade rumors for like four years and have not moved from the team that they've been rumored to leave. As far as Josh Hart goes. Look, I'm a, I'm a Temple guy, so the mm-hmm. Nova thing is weird because Nova for the Jay Wright era was always balling out. So I was like, people would be like, Nova, right? And I'd be like, kind of not really. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will never get over Mikhail Bridges not coming to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Never get over it. And Me either. <laughs> Josh Hart is spiritually a Sixer. Mm-hmm. On Bill, Bill's pod yesterday, I said D'Angelo Russell was spiritually a Clipper and needed to go to the Clippers. Josh Hart is spiritually a sixer. I can already see him in his uniform. I can already see him making a hustle play and the crowd going nuts and him jacking the crowd up. He is exactly who I want on the Sixers. I'm glad we're on the same page. I mean, because how do you feel about Nova dudes? Are you are you are you into them or are you like do you have a Philadelphia college like affinity that that blocks this? Kyrie was my I mean, not Kyrie. Kyle Lowry is my favorite player. Like, I mean, okay. well, one of my, like, I have two favorite players in the NBA currently, post Kobe and, and Allen Iverson. It's, it was Kyle Lowry and Steph Curry. Like, Kyle okay. Lowry is my guy. Um, you know, and obviously he's like the same age as me. I think his birthday is like four days before me. I actually saw him in high school. Um, so when did, he went where to, did he go to high school? D- Cardinal Doherty? So first he went to Northeast and then he went to Cardinal Doherty. Okay. Um, but I saw him when he was at Cardinal Doherty. Um, but it's just like when he went to Nova, I kind of just, I mean, that, that four guard lineup with, you know, Kyle Lowry, Alan Ray, um, Randy Foy, I followed them. So it's just like, I always kind of just rooted for the, the Philadelphia teams. Obviously I, I went to Penn. So it's like, we didn't have like NBA players coming out of Penn. Um, no. So it's just like, um, I'm a, I was always rooting for like the other te- team schools, so it's like Lin Greer went to Temple. Um, he went to um, yeah. my, he actually went to my high school. Did he? A couple years before me. Um, so I was rooting for Temple when you know Lin Greer made that turn that tournament run with Temple. So it's just like it's kind of like I'm just rooting for Penn. I'm rooting for um, I'm rooting for Temple. Philly dudes. Yeah, all the all the like yeah. the big five schools, pretty much. Yeah. Um, see, I I, I kind of grew up in the John Cheney era, like mm-hmm. Mark Macon was like my first big temple passion. Mm-hmm. And then like was, was there for the, the UMass wars. You know, I was like back when like, it was like fuck Calipari on t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. And then I've always just temples just always been my college hoops team. Mm-hmm. So it's been strange over the last, like however many 10, 10 or so years when the Jay Wright uh, dynasty was kind of happening. 
and and people who don't who aren't from Philly or who know me would be like, oh yeah, Noah's in the Final Four. You must be excited. I'm like, kind of. You know, I guess like I guess I'm cheering. I mean, I cheered for Nova over North Carolina. Like I'm like into it, but I was never like, oh, as a Philadelphian. Yeah. These guys on the main line are my my dudes. Cliff, can you chime in here for a second? What's your <laughs> what's your Nova stance? So I had to cut all Nova ties once I went to Temple. Like literally. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's, wow. That's basically. Yeah, that's yeah, so crazy. That's so crazy to me. I didn't know like there there were people like who just kind of thought like this. Yeah. Like. I think the vibe of the city or anybody that goes to Temple is like a lot of us are from the area, right? Like a lot of Temple people come from Montgomery County, Delaware County, you know, from the city in itself, um, you know, from Westchester County or somewhere out in the sticks in PA. But you grow up like in Nova. Like I grew up watching Nova on TV on, I think it was like WB17. They used to show them games on Saturday afternoons with like Curtis Sumter, uh, Mike Hardy, Kyle Lowry, like you said, Randy Foy, Alan Ray, uh, Shane Clark was on there. Um, but yeah, like once, once you go to temple and then like you, you kind of get, you know, invested in that aura atmosphere and all that, mm-hmm. you just start to dislike Nova because then you'll have those big five games at the start of the season. And those games are actually like, really, they, they're like super turned up. But like when you actually end it, like they, they, they used to be, yeah, ah, that makes sense. bloodbath. Yeah, 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 so like, it must, yeah. It, yeah, it must've really hurt y'all when y'all lost Jalen Brunson, um, <laughs> to like, yeah. That's, I mean, that's got to be like, how do you not get Jalen Brunson? Like, hey, that's... man. But Nova had, think about it. Nova became the machine it was under Jay Wright. So Brunson, I'm assuming, I think he started at Nova, what, 2015 or something like that? And then left in yeah. 2018. I mean, by that time, Nova was already a powerhouse. And then lo and behold, he stays there and he wins two championships with Nova. <laughs> so he made the right decision. Probably wouldn't have won a championship if he went to Temple. There were, there were some circumstances around that. Um, that Brunson thing that we, I mean, we probably shouldn't discuss now, but I, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. But it's still, to me, it's like, that's one of the most tragic things that happened like to Temple. Is, t- is Temple not getting Jalen? Yeah. Do you, Cliff, while, while you're on, what's your, what's your take on St. Joe's? Cause I went to St. Joe's basketball camp, mm-hmm. was a big Phil Martelli, uh, acolyte and loved the Delante Jameer Nelson team that that made the the tourney run and was like number one in the country. Yeah, and I always felt like it was okay to like St. Joe's. It just wasn't okay to like Nova. Yeah, so with St. Joe's, I'm the same way. That Jameer Nelson was like my favorite. Even when he went to the Magic and started playing with Dwight and started hitting threes, and he got hurt that year playing the finals and all that. Jameer Nelson was like my dude always. But um, I I didn't have any like hate towards St. Joe's. Yeah. What a, a dude I grew up with actually ended up playing at St. Joe's for a little bit. He was my man C.J. Aiken, six ten, super cool dude. Went through a lot of stuff. Um, and I, I never really hated St. Joe's. I never had any animosity towards them. You don't really see St. Joe's people across the city like that anyway. Um, you don't see Nova people at all actually. But because they're on the main line, right, yeah, right, they're right, down right. Ardmore, they right, right. But but you know how, like you know how like Chris, you know where Temple is located. Like you might yeah. see, you know, you might see some Penn and some Drexel people just because it's not. If you're going into Center City, it's not like too far off. But um, yeah, St. Joe's is just never that. Just never really like registered with me because they kind of they fell off like pretty bad uh, towards the end of Phil Martelli's run out there. So it just yeah. wasn't. They just it just wasn't a thing or a big rivalry. If they were good, they probably be, I'd probably be talking a little bit differently. But um, yeah, they just it, they just didn't register with me. Same Lasalle, they had a little run too when they had um, they had Lionel Sanders and Doug yeah, Overton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Tyree Dern, um, 
Forget I'm dating myself name. by saying Lionel Simmons. No, <laughs> I have to. Con- what's my man named Southwest Philly floater? Uh, Tyrone. Um, he pl- he played. You know, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about too. It's 316 when he hit the floater. And oh it, yeah, 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 man. Mm-hmm. Oh, y'all know exactly. Ty, I think his name was was Ty Garland. I think it was. He was nice. That I actually enjoyed that run. I like. I, I gotta. I gotta confess something right here yeah. with you two guys. What's Where up? is LaSalle? It's like in uh, North Philly. You know it's like it's out. It's out by like it's like yeah, Alany. Yeah, it's in Alany. Yeah, it's right on. It's literally on Alany Ave. I I honestly like that's like my darkest secret is I couldn't point LaSalle out on a map. <laughs> you go, you it's go, been twenty years since I lived there, but like I just it, LaSalle was a big big deal when it was um when when Simmons, Simmons and, and Overton yeah. and stuff, mm-hmm. but like it's always been the like. Oh yeah, LaSalle. Like I just never know where it is, or I never knew anybody went there. I don't, I, it was, like it's so crazy. I got a scholarship there, and I don't, I don't think I've ever been there. <laughs> no, LaSalle. LaSalle is literally if you, you y'all know where you know Broad Alley is. Obviously, like the little yeah. dissertation yeah. center. So if you get out of there, you go down Alley Ave for a little bit. Um, maybe it's probably like a 10, 15 minute walk from Broad Alley from that transportation center. Yeah. So yeah, LaSalle. When not- we if we ever have like a maybe the week of All Star, when we have nothing to talk about. Like we should do all-time Philly high school and college basketball team rankings. Like I want to talk about the Rasheed Wallace Simon Gratz team really bad. All right, oh, cool. cool. Who else? Who do I want to talk about? It was a, it was a high school team. Yo, Kyle Lowry. I want to talk. I want to talk about um, Maurice Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, we gotta get we gotta get Gilly on here. He claims that he was like some type of crazy all star high in high school or something like that. He said he went toe to toe with uh Rasheed Wallace and all them back in the day. So I want to get his thoughts on this one day. I don't know if the timing works on that right with that with that story. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what he claimed. I don't she believe was it. In, I don't believe she it. was in at Gratz when I was in early high school. I think. Yeah, yeah Rasheed, but like Rasheed right. was like ninety like. Rasheed was like 91 to like 94. Yeah, yeah and he was playing against Rasheed Brookenborough back then. And Rasheed Brookenborough was really good. Like, he was almost as good as Rasheed Wallace. But, like, obviously the, their careers went in different directions. Anyway, this is all fascinating. Uh, I feel like we should get back did to the did you, I got to ask y'all, did y'all grow up reading um, Ted Sillery? Was he an inquirer writer? Or? He, so he had a website called, like, basically – TedSillery.com. Like he broke down all high school. Dude, I, I, when I was a kid, it was pre websites. <laughs> oh, okay. No, but they broke down like every local high school. No, I know, Raheem, I know exactly what you're talking about. They broke down every local high school. They had like the pictures of dudes from from Ryan to, to Wood. Honestly, the- we read his site every day in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it was- like, I mean, he's like, he's probably the biggest archive of like high school sports from like okay. in Philly. Franklin. Yeah. Two teams in a county like that. Yeah, I, Raheem, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I wonder if this is what Bill had in mind when he was like, "You guys should do a Sixers pod." It's like, <laughs> yeah, cool. But we're gonna the most passionate we're gonna sound the entire season is when we're talking about <laughs> Kyle Lowry's Cardinal Docker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, wait, where was no, oh, you know Josh what it is? It's just, you're taking me when you take somebody back to their childhood. Oh my god! Yeah, it it just it just brings out a different level of passion. It's funny too. I can't remember the I can't remember the the Sixers Magic game, but I can remember Jameer Nelson and Delonte West St. Joe's games like by heart. You know, yeah. Um, the season so Josh Hart, like we said before, <laughs> spiritually a Sixer. Drummond. It would be very interesting to see if he wound up in the buyout market. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether or not if when we get to the end of the trade deadline, whether or not Daryl will have other you know, cards in his back pocket, like knowing, but that being said, you know what? They really want to get under the luxury tax. That's been the rumor that's permeated where it's like, oh, they, they that 
Ferk and and Dybul could be on their way out, and maybe even Milton because they they don't want to pay luxury tax. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to do this Harden deal, right? So that's gonna be expensive. I don't know. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see how they build out around the margins. But like you said, I do think that there is a institutional awareness mm-hmm. that this is not a five year plan. This is Joel Embiid at the peak of his powers, capable of beating a back to back MVP on his own pretty much and you've got James Harden having like this renaissance this is not the time to penny pinch man yeah I mean it's not at all um I mean if you're gonna get rid of Furkan I'm, I'm not mad at it you know what I mean I he's mean, not playing not, he's not playing but I mean under no circumstances should I mean we really be getting rid of shake unless we're bringing in something you know yeah because I mean shake's been a guy who can step in anytime somebody gets hurt um unless you're gonna tell me you're bringing in like a Alec Burke or something like that or um I don't think so. I think that I, I think that the backcourt actually seems pretty settled. It's yeah. not the defensive backcourt that I would like, but I think that Melton, Maxi, Harden, mm-hmm. Shake is like a pretty good guard rotation. I don't know if you mess with that. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I totally agree um, with that. The Thibault thing in terms of uh, his availability, it's interesting. I, I think that the Kings actually like when you look at the Kings and they're where they are with like, and they're in third place in the West and they're obviously like, they could use somebody of Thibault's defensive skills. I don't know that they want to like tinker too much with that roster. And, and, you know, Bill was talking about this on his pod where it's just like, this is like, this is where you find out if Vivek is still making some calls for that team. Uh, because you could see him be like, we're really good. Let's make a deep playoff run. Let's trade Harrison Barnes and this guy and this guy and add another dude. And it's like that Kings are a really good example of like, Mike Brown's a good coach. He figured like those guys had some time to play with each other. Mm-hmm. Fox and Sabonis learned how to play with each other. These things take time. It's not fantasy basketball where you can just mix and match dudes all the time. And it's it's numbers on a spreadsheet. Like you actually have to get to know the players you're playing with. So the Kings go, being really aggressive, I don't know about that. I could see Thibault for some combination. Like, it would have to be like Thibault and, and more to get Rashawn back because Rashawn makes $12 million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm still looking for that backup five is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking for that. Um, I mean, what are you looking at? Like, so, so it's like pretty much Holmes, Drummond. Is anybody else on your target list? Um, I saw somebody mention Nas Reed, but I can't see the, the Wolves trade. Dude, Nas Reed is like, they love him in Minnesota. Yeah, he just, somebody mentioned he that. Like, and shot, it, like, I, I saw no reason for the Wolves to actually do that trade. And he worked Draymond the other night. Like, I think that he's like a good backup for Gobert. So I don't know if they're really mm-hmm. if they're really considering tr- trading Nas, especially while Carl Towns is still out. It's tough. It's going to be a, a bunch of teams looking for the same stuff. It's yeah. interior... Back interior depth and perimeter defense is like that's why Jay Crowder is being treated like he's uh you know 1988 Michael Jordan right now. You know, <laughs> you know it's, I mean? it's just frustrating for me, honestly. It's because as much as the play in tournament has helped like teams continue to play, it's ruined the trade down deadline. Um, that because you don't it, know who's a buyer and who's a seller, yeah. It's like you have a lot less sellers now, and then also, I mean, obviously, the Rudy Gobert trade has just it's throwing everything off. You know, you got yeah. people talking about three first rounders for OG and an OB, which is what you could get for that. a quarterback in the NFL I, at this point. <laughs> they were talking about when we were doing the pod yesterday with Bill, like he, it was just like the stuff that was being thrown around for Ananobi. I was like, that's what I would do for Siakam. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but this OG thing is cause he is the prototypical player that like modern NBA player 
where it's like, oh, he can guard one through four and he's this and he doesn't need the ball a ton and everything. I just think it's like, it's such a sexy pickup for any of the super team oriented teams where it's like, yeah, your top two guys might not be defensive dynamos. OG and Anobi could come steal it up. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like Memphis and New Orleans are the leaders in the clubhouse for OG, but then it's like Masai might not trade any of those dudes. Yeah, I, I just feel like the the Raptors are like, they're the team who, they're the fantasy football team that just like overvalues its players to the max. So it's just like, it wouldn't be, surprise me if they just did nothing and they just <laughs> continue Let's to try not. to make a point. Yeah. I, I feel like we could use the drama. Kyrie start is the starting gun. For for chaos season, I hope Masai follows suit and just is like the entire team except for Scotty Barnes is on the block. Yeah, I'm honestly I'm I'm tired of this Raptors team. Um, I don't I have the same hatred for for them just because, like I was a big Kyle Lowry fan, so it was like hard for me to hate the Raptors. That's right. Bring it all back to Cardinal Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just like I'm tired of them now. It's just like let's just blow this thing up. Um, so I don't have to have to see that core again. <laughs> Okay, that's that's your that's our official Ringers Philly special recommendation to Masai Jerry. We're gonna be back. Uh, I won't be on next week. Raheem will have a special guest talking Sixers, and then like we said, after the Super Bowl, we'll probably do some more shows, ramp it up a little bit more, have some more guests, have Shield come on talking Sixers at times. So we're really excited as we head into All Star trade deadline, and then the second half of what could be a really really special Sixer season. Oh, we got to get paid back on. I mean, we're doing this on Friday. The worst loss we, of the season was the Spurs. We got to win this game. Oh yeah, I know. Let's get let's get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Cliff for producing and for sharing uh, the secret of where LaSalle University is located, and we will be back with you guys next week. <laughs>